the last five months or so, I've been meeting with a rabbi uh, from Temple Sinai, just a little ways away from here, named Annie Belford, and we've become friends and learned from each other about our respective faiths, and um, I've found that I've learned a good amount about Christianity, even through learning about Judaism. One thing that I've been reminded of through our meetings is how vast and incomprehensible God actually is. God is beyond all of our attempts at understanding, beyond our descriptions, and beyond our conceptions. This is not to say that God is unknowable. It's simply to say that God is greater than we can realistically conceive. At the same time, we've been given glimpses of God through the law, through the prophets, and through Jesus. So as a vast oversimplification, we could say that the law was given as a way of life whereby we can learn something of God and potentially live out something of the divine life here on earth. Depending on our approach, we could also uh, simply follow a set of rules uh, with little of God's life actually entering in. Um, so again, as a vast oversimplification, we have the prophets calling us to return and to remember the law not only as a list of rules, but as a way of life to live God's way, or a, the purpose of the law, to live by faith in God and faithfully live for God. So then again, as a vast oversimplification, we have Jesus as the embodiment of the law and the prophets, personally living out the way of life called for by both, and we have Jesus as God, that to which the law and the prophets were directing us all along. If you're feeling a bit confused by all that, um, guessing you're in good company, that's probably about how Peter and James and John felt when they were up on the mountaintop uh, with Jesus transfigured, dazzling white, and Moses and Elijah talking with him. I'm guessing it was probably very nice for them to see Moses and Elijah up there. They were probably a little starstruck. Uh, and at the same time, probably wondering what in the world is going on here. We have some of this confusion illustrated by Peter wanting to build three dwellings. One for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What Peter was actually wanting to build were tabernacles and places for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah to dwell with God. There are a couple challenges here. Uh, on the one hand, God really wants us to build tabernacles in our hearts for Him to dwell, not simply buildings in which God, that we can dwell with God. And two, by building three separate dwellings, one for Jesus, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, Peter was separating Jesus from the law and the prophets when really they belong together. Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. Jesus was God to whom the law and the prophets direct us and Jesus followed the law and the prophets in his own life. Doing so, living out the law and the prophets in his human life was how he, as a human being, maintained the tabernacle in his heart in which God dwelled. I realize there's an inherent contradiction in saying Jesus is God and Jesus maintained a tabernacle in his heart for God to dwell. How's that work? Uh, largely it's a contradiction. I'm okay with that. As Rabbi Annie would say, that's where the dog is buried. 
It's a, I love that expression. It's a Yiddish expression meaning there's the rub. Or yes, there's the contradiction inherent in this situation. You hit the nail on the head. Um, so Jesus is a human being. Jesus is God. And that's where the dog is buried. Jesus is both revelation and example. If Jesus was only a revelation of God, then we would be lacking this human example of living a life of faithfulness to God. If Jesus were only an example of faithfulness to God, then we would be missing something of the revelation of God. So we say Jesus is God and Jesus made a place in his heart for God to dwell. Jesus is both revelation of God and example of human life. By listening to Jesus, then we too can make places in our hearts for God to dwell. That was God's response to Peter wanting to make tabernacles for Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. God interrupted him, didn't even let him finish. Interrupted Peter and told him who Jesus is, God's beloved son, and told them to listen to Jesus. Perhaps the unspoken portion of God's message, the little parenthetical part of God's message was, no, no, Peter, you're missing the point. You don't need to build tabernacles for the three of them that they may dwell with me. Rather, build a tabernacle in your heart so that you may dwell with me in your heart. Instead, God simply said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so we have in the transfiguration a revelation of who Jesus is as God, with God's glory shining through him and from within him, and we have a revelation of Jesus as a human being, so familiar with the law and the prophets, having lived them out his whole life, that he could have a conversation with Moses and Elijah just as easily as we could talk with one of our family or friends. So we have this dual revelation uh, in the transfiguration up on the mountaintop, and we remember this dual revelation on the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany, three days before we begin our Lenten journey. I find this rather helpful because Lent is the time of year, more than any other time of the year, when we are intentional about building tabernacles in our hearts for God to dwell. Nearer, my God, to Thee, nearer to Thee. Oh, how I long to be nearer to Thee. The words of the old gospel hymn ring true, hopefully at all times in our lives, but then especially during Lent, when we are especially purposeful about drawing nearer to God. The purpose of Lent is not self-abasement or even self-denial. The purpose of Lent is to draw nearer to God. And the sacrifices that we may make or the fast that we may observe are simply ways of helping us to clear out spaces in our heart for God to dwell, that God may tabernacle in our hearts. Now, clearing out these places is only one step. The other step is to listen to Jesus. And so let's start by listening to the first words that Jesus said to Peter and James and John after the transfiguration. Get up. And do not be afraid. It's a rather nice thing to remember if we could have that maybe painted on our ceilings above our beds. So the first thing in the morning we see and remember, get up and do not be afraid. Jesus told the story of a son who 
uh, parable of a son who basically told his dad, I wish you were dead, but since you're not dead just yet, I want you to go ahead and give me my money now. Then he wasted all the money and decided he would come back and work for his dad because he had nothing left. And rather than a story of a father going out and lambasting his son and beating him and saying, you're no son of mine anymore, the father runs out to him before the son even gets there and embraces him and stops, interrupts him as he's making his apology, his heartfelt apology. He interrupts him and embraces his son and welcomes him back. God always loves us even when we turn away from Him, even when we make poor choices in our lives, God loves us and is always ready and willing to run out towards us and welcome Him back. Get up and do not be afraid. Jesus taught us to love our enemies, to pray for them rather than seeking vengeance. Vengeance. We, we hopefully seek justice in our world, but rather than seek vengeance... He teaches us to love our enemies and pray for those who wrong us. God is merciful and just. And sometimes we're going to need to depend on God's justice rather than seeking vengeance ourselves. Such as the love God wants us to experience and have in the world that we might increase and add more love to the world rather than add more hurt and hate in the world. Get up. And do not be afraid. Jesus tells us that he will be with us always, even to the end of the ages. Rather paradoxical then that shortly after his resurrection, he ascends into heaven, seemingly leaving us. And yet, we are given an assurance that Jesus will be and is with us always. Jesus sends us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Advocate, to be with us, to strengthen us, to guide us, to dwell within our hearts. When everyone else seems against us, the Holy Spirit can be for us and always drawing us nearer to God. Get up and do not be afraid. Just before Jesus' transfiguration and shortly after the transfiguration, he told his disciples that he would suffer and die, that he would be crucified and die. And we see in that a reminder that as Jesus suffered and died, so must we all. We hope that our deaths might come without an overabundance of suffering, but we will all eventually suffer and die. These lives will end. And yet we look also to not only Jesus' death, but his resurrection. That he showed his disciples, that he showed us that death is not the end, but that life continues on after death. That the resurrection of the dead, that the life continuing on in God is something that we can believe in, that we can hold fast to. Get up and do not be afraid. We are taught to live with faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus in this dual... Uh, what's the word? Revelation. There it is. This dual revelation that we've been given to have faith in Jesus as God. As the one through whom God's glory shone in the transfiguration. And we are also taught to live with the faithfulness of Jesus. 
living out lives of law and prophet like Jesus did. Living out the way that he lived, faith in him as God and the faithfulness of him as a human being. Get up and do not be afraid. And we remember that God is beyond our comprehension, beyond anything we can possibly imagine, greater and more vast and incomprehensible than we can have the minutest conception of. And yet this same God, beyond everything we can conceive, is the same God who desires and promises to dwell in our hearts, right inside of us. And we're invited to make places within our hearts for this vast, incomprehensible God to dwell. Get up and do not be afraid. Amen.